What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Chat It Up podcast. As always, I'm your host, Shooter, bringing you interviews, news, and reviews about all things Upper Peninsula of Michigan. I've got a really great episode for you guys this week, a little different from our normal format, um, but it's always good to kind of switch things up a bit, keep things interesting. So, uh, But as we always do, uh, we will start this episode off with This Day in Uper History which is brought to you by the good folks at Pasty.com. That's P-A-S-T-Y dot com and the Pasty Central Facebook page. So here is December 31st, this day in Uper history. Pasty Central Day in History, December 31st. This day in 1873 ended a tragic month in the life of 38-year-old Alexander Agassiz. Earlier in December, his father, Louis, had passed away after battling respiratory congestion. And a few days later, Alexander's wife suddenly died of pneumonia, probably contracted at the deathbed of the elder Agassiz. This left Alexander with three young boys to raise in the rugged UP with the help of their grandmother, Mrs. Louis Agassiz, whom Alexander always referred to as mother. From this low point in Agassiz's life, he went on to lead the Calumet and Hecla Mining Company to success as its president until his death in 1910. Besides his role in the copper country, he invested his time and fortune to complete the Museum of Natural History at Harvard, which his father had started in 1859. Pasty Central Day in History, December 31st. Another huge thank you to the folks over at Pasty.com and the Pasty Central Facebook page for making that segment possible. Normally, it would be time for this week's interview, but as I mentioned at the beginning of this episode, we're doing things a little bit differently because it's the uh, finale for 2020, I guess, not the season finale, but I'm sitting here with a a special guest co-host, my wife, Patty. Patty, thank you for coming on the podcast. Hi, everyone, and thank you for having me. Yeah, so my guests have definitely heard me talk about you before, but obviously, I'm sure some people may be listening and know who you are. But for those listening in that maybe don't know you, um, I'm going to ask you a few questions. Okay. <laughs> okay. So let's start with uh, where are you from? You're not a youper, so so let everybody know where you're from. No, I am a troll. Um, I'm originally from just outside of Detroit, a city called St. Clair Shores. I grew up there my whole life. Okay. And uh, so that's like what, almost eight hours from Marquette? Really? Just about, yep. Right, but you had kind of ties to the UPL growing up, more specifically kind of the Ishpeming area. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so um, my aunt and uncle lived in Ishpeming for a good chunk of my life until I went to college. They actually lived not far from where we had lived in Ishpeming a few years back, and we would come up pretty much every summer for a vacation to visit them. And we'd also come up for Thanksgiving. My aunt is a really, really good chef and baker, so we would come up for that. Awesome. Now, you ended up actually coming up here for school and um, going to Northern. Why did you pick Northern? I said I was going to go to Northern since I was three. Um, Back then, it was because I was going to live with my aunt and uncle because my aunt is such a good chef, so she was going (laughs) to cook for me all the time. That obviously didn't happen. I lived in the dorms, but um, they had a really good program for what I wanted to go to school for, and it was a big perk to have family nearby as well. And what was it that you went to school for? I have a bachelor's and an associate's degree in clinical laboratory science. 
for non-medical or smart people, what does that mean? <laughs> um, I'm a lab technologist, so I run tests on people's blood samples and other bodily fluids that your doctor would order. I'm the one who runs the tests and gives them the results. Okay. So when you graduated from Northern, you ended up staying in the UP. I mean, really, you could have went anywhere. What, what kept you, what kept you in, here? Uh, back then, it was a boy. That didn't work out, but I also had gotten offered a job at Marquette right out of school um, to use my degree, so I figured I might as well stay. I had done an internship at UP Health System Marquette, and that was kind of my interview process, basically, and they offered me a good job, so I figured I would stay. So it was a boy, but then you met a man. <laughs> <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, so let's just talk a little bit about kind of how we ended up in, in Iron Mountain, because really your job, it, it was kind of the main catalyst for that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, at the time um, that, that we were living together, you know, we had been dating for quite a while and then you moved in. Um, I was working at Vast um, in Marquette, and you were working at MGH. And then uh, I'll let you take it from there, I Mm -hmm. guess, as far as the uh, job opportunity that you found out about. So um, we had always said we'd wanted to move back here within like five years, probably, just to start our family here when we decided to do that. Um, And the dream was to get a job at the VA because... Um, It's the only VA in the UP. It has really good job security, great pay, great benefits, and I've heard really good things about the facility in general. And on a whim, I think it was probably in November, we had had this discussion about that being our goal, and I put a little Google alert on for job opportunities, just thinking, you know, in the next few years, I would get a notification saying there was an opening, and come December, I got a ping that said, hey, there's an opening, and... We kind of talked about it, and I just said, well, it can't hurt to apply. Well, who knows if I'd even get an interview. And then it turned into, oh, you got an interview. Well, I guess we'll just see what the offer is before we make the plunge. It can't hurt to see that. And then we got the offer, and it was like, well, I guess we're doing this because it was a great offer and a great opportunity. Um, And I knew you were excited to move back to your hometown, and it was great to be close to your family again, too. Yeah. Now, for reference, this was November and December of 2018 that all of this yep. went down. Right. Yes. And I think what I remember most about it is we kept, like, putting off being, like, serious about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was like, we were like, well, it can't hurt if you put your name in the hat. And then you were like, well, it can't hurt to go down and interview. And then it was like, well, it can't hurt to hear the job offer. And then it was like oh crap, this is like, okay, now we like really need to be like legit and like serious about this. Um, The other thing that really sticks out to me is, is having to like sit down and have that conversation with, with my bosses and, Mm -hmm. and the place that I work, you know, at the time I had been there for seven years and um, obviously I, I love what I do and I love the company that I work for. And it was like, okay, is there a way to make this work where I can work remotely? Otherwise, if not, I'm going to like have to take a, a risk here and, 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 you know, try and find 
another, you know, another job, mm-hmm. that type of thing. Thankfully, obviously, you know how great my my bosses mm-hmm. are in the company that I work for is, and and the conversation was super awesome and positive, and thankfully, my bosses had the foresight to that I did to see how we could make it work, and we've been doing that ever since. Um, so you're working at the VA now. Um, can you talk a little bit about what you do for the VA? Sure. So I'm still using my degree. I'm a medical technologist is my official title, which is what I did at Marquette. Um, but at Marquette, I was strictly a microbiologist. And here I work in the entire lab of the VA. Um, I work night shift and I actually am by myself. So I do everything on my own, basically. Um, a lot of what I do is just like behind the scenes work. I don't do a whole lot of patient care because of the way our hospital is set up, but I work on a lot of machines. I'm kind of like a mechanic. Um, I do a lot of quality control and I still get some patient work um, and I do it in all aspects of the lab. So not just microbiology anymore. With obviously this global pandemic that we have going on with the, the contact that you do have with patients what's that like for somebody that might not know? I mean, do you have to like wear like a hazmat suit or, or I guess what, what does that look like? So in the beginning, um, as everybody knows, there were a lot more rules because it was all so new and we didn't know, especially in the healthcare field, what this virus could really do. So we weren't wearing a hazmat suit, but I was wearing goggles and what they call the N95 mask that doesn't let any particles in. It's mostly for that, not letting anything into your mouth and nose. Um, And I I always wear a lab coat anyways, and I always wear gloves when I'm working with patient samples and um, hazardous material. But things changed, and we learned a little bit more about it. So right now I still wear my lab coat like usual. I still wear gloves. I always wear scrubs to work too. Um, But I just wear a regular face mask like everybody else does because we're more concerned about spreading rather than getting um, the virus, I guess. Um, So just a face mask now. Um, But if I work with, because I do run COVID tests, um, I have to wear a face shield or goggles. We do it under a big biohazard hood. And I also have been drawing blood on COVID positive patients. So I... Definitely wear a little bit more for that. We have to wear a big gown over top of our scrubs. We wear a hairnet. We wear booties to go over our shoes, gloves, an N95 mask, a regular mask over that N95, and then goggles or a face shield as well. So a little bit more because we know they're positive. We don't want to get the virus then. Sure, sure. I mean, I think it goes without saying there's probably a lot of, like, extra stress obviously when you're dealing mm-hmm. with the covid stuff um i mean it's been going on for almost a year here yeah. now um do you feel like it's starting to kind of like wear wear people down or 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 the people that you're seeing there working do you feel like they're still just kind of pushing through it I think there's been, in a lot of professions this year, especially the essential worker profession, wherever you are, whether you're in healthcare, at a grocery store, a cop, a firefighter, somebody that still has to go to work, cannot work from home, I think there's been a lot of burnout. And it's not necessarily um, the work itself, 
it's a lot of the fact that policies change almost every day, it seems, because we're still learning so much. Um, there's still quite a few non-believers in this world that it's hard when I studied viruses in college. I studied immunology in college and how viruses attack the body. I I worked a lot with this stuff that I, I know what science is saying and I believe a lot of what science is saying. So it's hard when people attack your profession and what you studied because they just don't want to believe in it. Um, so I think that's a hard part of it is it's caused a lot of mental strain too. But I think lately people have come together a lot more and the vaccine has definitely helped. I think that hopefully we are on the upward trend with everything with it, but it's definitely caused some burnout. I think for a lot of people, not just healthcare to, sure. you know, see all these people who get to work from home and, you know, wear their pajamas all day and we're still going out there. Hey, I, I don't wear my pajama. <laughs> I might, I might put on track pants. <laughs> You I, work hard, though, too. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I mean, I'm extremely fortunate. I should say we're extremely fortunate. Mm-hmm. As crazy as 2020 has been, I feel like you and I have said, like, multiple times throughout the course of all of this how lucky we feel. Yeah. Because, I mean, even though you're you're potentially exposed to COVID, knock on wood... You know, you you haven't haven't gotten the virus, um, and you know I was working from home before all of this started. So in a lot of ways, for me, it's been just business as usual. Yeah. So we're we're very lucky. Yeah, our I, life didn't really have to change. You continued to work from home, and I continued to go to work. We didn't have to make big changes like a lot of people did and we don't have kids so we didn't have to worry about that either right right so you know you've been around the up since you were a kid you ended up coming up to school here you ended up deciding to stay and now you're really stuck here because you're stuck with me (laughs) what what would you say it is um that you really love most about the upper peninsula um There's a lot of things I love about the UP, but I think the biggest thing is the people. Um, Growing up in a big city, people aren't always very nice. And um, you think of even just driving, there's a lot more of aggression when driving. And up (laughs) here, people are just so nice and willing to help you out with anything. You know, I've had, I've met so many great people since I've lived here. I've lived here year round um, since. 2015 I believe so five years now and just met a lot of really great people who are always willing to help you and have your back and I think that's probably the best part of you the UP is the culture up here okay so I know you've visited a lot of places around the UP some with me some without me but what would you say uh have been some of your favorite places around the up that you visited like landmarks or just places in general either yeah either or um i do love sugarloaf mountain i think that's a really cool place in marquette that you would not expect in michigan i guess to have a mountain to climb and um see a lot of marquette and lake superior and everything i think that's one of my favorite places there i love marquette in general um as much as we love living here i know we miss some of marquette that we definitely got used to while living there. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I loved our trip we took a couple, was it 2018 or 2019 um, when we went camping in Ironwood, right? Yep, that was, la- that was uh, just, uh, yeah, 2019 because that was, we went over and uh, interviewed Gina for the podcast yep. and got to tour Stormy Cromer and, and saw a bunch of waterfalls. That was really cool to have all those relatively large waterfalls in a small area, so I don't know. There's a lot of places I I like in the UP. I can't pick just one. That was probably my favorite trip that we've done too, because there's enough to do, but it's secluded enough that it's not like crazy touristy. There wasn't like tons of people everywhere, and you know there's the brewery in Ironwood, and it was that was just a fun. It was a fun trip. So I I would agree with you that that was probably my favorite one that we've done. Um, let's see. What other questions do I have for you? Um, what's it like being married to a youper? <laughs> um, there's a lot of fun sayings I've learned since living here that you've taught me that we don't talk like that down in Detroit area. Like what kind of sayings? Oh, I don't know. They're probably not appropriate for a podcast, but <laughs> just dumb things that you say when things go wrong or things, um change as well as the way you talk um when i went to northern i had said one of my goals would be to have a youper accent at the end and i think i've succeeded in that um just with some words i definitely say things differently my friends down um who live near detroit to say that i say my o's like a youper so um just the accent in general is different but um aside from that it's great being married to a youper. <laughs> I feel like when we first kind of started getting to know each other, I feel like you made fun of my youper accent more. Mm-hmm. I don't know if now you're just used to the accent or maybe you don't hear it anymore because you've been around me for so long. I but... hear it still in some words, but I think I've also gotten more of it myself that I probably can't make fun of it anymore as much as I'd want to. But. Well, for a long time, you <laughs> you would definitely make fun of certain things that I would say. Um, as someone not originally from the UP, what's your honest take on the podcast as far as, you know, who I'm interviewing, the topics, the stuff that's being talked about? What's your take? What's your take on it? I think it's great. And I'm not just saying that because I'm married to you. Um, It's fascinating to hear the stories of these people that have done such amazing things. And you think of the UP as this small little area that, you know, quite a few people don't live outside of here for most of their life. They live here, they grow up here, they go to college here and they stay. But it's been fascinating to hear of these worldly people that have done such amazing things. And I mean, they're just from the UP, like they're local here. Like, you know, your recent one where he, um, John has a brewery in South Korea. Like how interesting is that to hear that story? And some of these other ones that have just, just traveled and learned a lot, but then also they, have such a pull back to the UP that they come back. I think that's fascinating too, because as much as I love my family downstate and my friends, I don't know that I could move back to St. Clair Shores. It's just not where I would want to be that 
it's fascinating to me too that so many people come back home whether it be to the UP in general or even yourself moving back to your hometown it's very interesting to me okay so that's pretty much all the questions that I had for you just so that everybody could kind of get to know you (laughs) a little bit better Um, so now we'll kind of transition to uh, the portion of the podcast that I've been hyping up which is kind of our year end uh i won't even say it's a review more so a q a i put it out there for people to send me some questions um so we're gonna start uh first with um a handful of questions that i had uh sent in to me via email or um i think a couple of these were like dms as well so Mm -hmm. patty's gonna ask them to me and i will do my best to answer them (laughs) Okay, so the first one comes from Matt, and it being Christmas time, he would like to know, what's your favorite Christmas tradition? Favorite Christmas tradition? New or old. New or old. So my favorite Christmas tradition is typically what my family does on Christmas Eve. This year, unfortunately, we weren't able to do it due to COVID and the pandemic, but normally... On Christmas Eve, my family would hop in the car, or sometimes we would host at our house, but we would get together early afternoon with my mom's side of the family, and we would kind of rotate whose house it was at. My mom's um, got a a large... Actually, I've got a pretty big family on both sides now Mm -hmm. that I'm thinking about it, but we would rotate whose house it was at, and we would get together, and we would have like basically a late lunch, early dinner type thing, exchange presents, you know that type of thing from there once that kind of wrapped up um we would head over to my uncle's house my uncle beaver those listening some of you are like who uncle beaver what kind of name is that it's a nickname but uh we would go over to my uncle's house with my dad's side of the family he's my dad's brother and uh again another really big get together with family and friends and we do a white elephant and that just to me is like Christmas in a nutshell Mm -hmm. being with both sides of my family all in one day. And it's a little bit hectic kind of going from A to B, but I really, I don't think I'd want it any other way. So nice. Mm -hmm. Sticking with the Christmas theme. um, What's the best gift you ever received for Christmas? Whew. That's a tough one. Um, The best gift I ever received for Christmas probably I would have to say I got a brand new Huffy bike that Mm -hmm. like really stands out to me it was this really cool like it was like an off white but then it had like black and lime green paint splatters on it Mm -hmm. that was probably the like that I don't know for some reason that brand new Huffy just really stands out But the other one that stands out, and I won't say it's the best gift, but um, I do give my parents a ton of credit. For quite a few years, you know, I would ask for kind of like proof that Santa was real. And one of the things that I asked for is I wanted a photo of Rudolph. Like I said, like in my list to Santa, I want a photo of Rudolph. And Christmas morning came around and it wasn't like an actual like photograph, but my mom, to her credit, found like a bag that you would put like an almost like a plastic bag that you would like wrap a gift in, like if it was big enough. Mm -hmm. 
and it was almost like a life-size photo of like a reindeer it was like a cartoon it wasn't like a real picture of a reindeer but it was like a cartoon of rudolph that was like life-size so it was like three feet tall and she had put one of my presents in that box so it was like when i walked out in the morning the first thing i saw was this like life-size version of rudolph so i give my mom credit because that uh, you know just looking back now that had to have been a lot of trouble to go through that's but, funny <laughs> yeah um, Amber would like to know, where's your favorite place that you've visited in the UP in recent years and as a child? So in recent years, I would probably say that trip to Ironwood that we mm-hmm. just mentioned. Um, that was a great trip. Um, Picture Rocks was really cool too. When we went and did that, that was a, certainly a fun one. Um, the other trip, I would say recently, it was at least in the last five years five or six years was um up to copper harbor that that's another really special place when you get up across a bridge and all of a sudden your phone goes to no service and you can just disconnect and get up there that's pretty special um as a kid uh, again shout out to my parents we took this awesome road trip one summer when i was a kid and we hit like every up like I don't want to say tourist trap, but like touristy stuff that you can do. Mm-hmm. Like we drove all the way, like we went up and we hit like Tequamanon Falls. And then we went all the way over and we went to like detour, like as far as you can go east in the UP. Uh, we spent a day on Mackinac Island. And then on the way back, when we kind of came down US 2, we went to Kitchitakipi, Big Springs, mm-hmm. and then down to Fayetteville, um, the, the ghost town. Um, that trip in it of itself was probably like the most memorable for me, um, of those spots that I just kind of mentioned. I know I mentioned a bunch of them. Oh, the other thing we did was we went through the Sioux locks on that trip that, yeah, that was really neat. Um, in fact, the cool thing was we got into, we did a boat tour in the lock and for some reason, I don't know if they put us in the wrong lock or something happened, but the boat had to turn around inside of the lock and i don't i give credit to this boat driver because there had to have been maybe a two foot gap in between the wall and the boat when he like literally turned it around and it was crazy i don't know how this guy did it but um sorry i'm going off on a side tangent (laughs) my favorite of that trip of all those spots that we kind of went and stopped at um i would say um probably Kitchen to keepy mm-hmm. big springs that was really really cool and and something that you just really can't find anywhere else nice what is your favorite up based food other than a pasty hmm i don't even know why i had to think i, I paused for a second but really could i mm-hmm. mean is hands down i'm pretty much obsessed with yeah. with could Shout out to Ralph's Deli. You talk about missing being in in Marquette, but primarily, I mean, I know that's an issue. I mean, we used to live only, what? A block. A block away. So I was there almost on a weekly basis. So I miss my Kudigi. I miss my Congress pizza. Oh, Congress pizza. (laughs) Miss that too. Right. All right. Um, Jessica wants to know if you had to live anywhere that wasn't in the UP, where would you live and why? 
if I wasn't going to live in the UP, there's only really a couple of places that I feel like I would, really two places that I feel like I would enjoy living. Uh, one of them would be East Lansing because... Go green. Go white. Uh, I just, I love East Lansing. You know, it's a college town and obviously it's a college that I love even though I didn't go to school at Michigan State. Um I just love it there. I could easily see myself enjoying living there. It's not like too big of a city or anything crazy. Um, the other place that I really don't think that I would mind living is is probably down in the Fox Valley, somewhere near like Green Bay, Appleton, Oshkosh, somewhere in that area. Um, it's close enough to home. Um, obviously, I'm a big Packer fan too, but we've got friends and family that live close to there mm-hmm. and there's also probably still some good deer hunting <laughs> so that uh those two areas to me if i couldn't live in the up those would probably be like number one on my list one one and two cool um production studio 29 asked this on instagram and they would like to know what does being a youper mean to you besides someone who lives in the up That's a good question and a tough question. Um, And I say it's tough because I think it would probably mean something a little different to everybody. Mm -hmm. Um, But to me, I guess, being a youper, you have to, in some way, shape, form, or fashion, you need to have some sort of a a tie to nature and to the outdoors. you know, you look around in any city, any town in the UP and you can get five minutes outside of town and it's just wilderness. And I just feel like if you're going to live up here and you don't have some sort of tie or draw to nature, whether it's, you know, you're the most hardcore outdoorsman or maybe you just like taking your dog for a walk every day. If you don't have that draw or enjoy of being outside, to me, it's like, why, why would you, you live here? Because mm-hmm. you could, you could probably live anywhere if you don't really care for, for being outdoors all that much. Um, I think the other thing with being a youper, um, goes back to what you were saying way earlier about the people mm-hmm. and the culture of, you know, someone's broke down on the road. You, you know, you see if they need help. Or, you know, someone, you know, somebody that needs help and you you lend a hand, that type of thing. Being friendly, saying hello. Um, It makes me think of when we walk our dog and waving at every car that passes by. (laughs) Like, it's just that kind of friendly nature um, that that youpers have. So uh, I think those are kind of the two big things for me that I I would say. you know, are, are really kind of a good representation of, of what being a youper is. I'd add toughness to that too. Toughness? Youpers are pretty tough people. They get through the winters that we have. Yeah, I, I would agree. I mean, we're kind of spoiled down here. We're in the banana belt a little bit, but certainly when you get up towards the northern part of the UP from, you know, Munising all the way west up into the Keweenaw where they really get a lot of snow, um, uh, I would agree with you. There's definitely a resiliency, mm-hmm. and, and I think a, um, in, in you know an independent streak in there too. Yeah. 
The next one is, how has it been living back in your hometown again? Uh, for the most part, living back in my hometown has been absolutely great. Um, it's great to be so close to family. I mean, we're a block away from, you know, my sister and brother-in-law and my niece, and we're only five minutes from my parents and mm -hmm. pretty much five minutes from multiple other family members as well. Camp is only 15 minutes away, 15, 20 minute drive. Um, so all of that is, is just awesome. Um, it's also great. You know, a lot of people our age, um, have either moved back here, um, or, or have just been living here and are, are actively doing things to, to make, you know, Dickinson County awesome, which is great to see and be a small part of, um, you know, there's always those certain drawbacks too. the, the only one kind of big drawback that I think of is, as like, it's hard to go anywhere and not to run into somebody that, you know, <laughs> yeah. I just think of like going to the grocery store where I just want to like go in like my sweats and get in and get out and having a mask helps now because probably people are a little bit harder to recognize but I feel like prior to the pandemic there were quite a few times where we'd go to the grocery store and we couldn't get you know 20 feet without stopping because somebody was saying hi to us or whatever somebody that we ran into that we knew so yes you're very popular here <laughs> I, I wouldn't say well yeah, I think you're being kind by saying popular. I think I'm just familiar uh, is would be my take on it. But overall, it's been fantastic. Like I said, being close to to family and also you know being around friends again that we didn't get to see quite often as we we'd like. That that's really great. And for me, just my number one thing is besides family is being close to camp where mm -hmm. I can hunt and get up there as much as I possibly can. Right, and the last viewer question is from Austin, and he wants to know, should the UP become its own state, and is that something that a lot of UPers talk about? So before I answer this question, I just want to give a shout-out to Austin. Um, he is a very loyal listener to the podcast and is very active in commenting on social media um, about episodes and different things, so I really, really appreciate that. So thank you, Austin. Um, and this is a great, great, this is a great question that I could almost spend an entire episode talking about, believe it or not. Um, because before even Michigan, or I should say even before the UP was acquired by, by Michigan in the Toledo war, um, there's been talks of like the UP being its own state or its own you know, region. Um, I know that Thomas Jefferson at one point wanted to make the UP and part of Wisconsin. And I believe part of Minnesota, he wanted to call it Sylvania and make that a state, but it, it never went through. Um, there's a really interesting book about that, about like areas that they, you know, wanted to make states before everything was kind of carved out that just never came to be. But, um, I know even once the UP became part of Michigan, it was, it's been something that even since the 19th century, it, the, the topic of the UP becoming its own state has been kind of like in discussion. Mm -hmm. Um, 
I believe it was like 1850s, there was a convention in Ontonagon, and they were talking about making the UP part of, I think, like the northern part of Wisconsin and northeastern Minnesota. They, they wanted to break that off. Um, I think right around 1900, it came up again where uh, they wanted to make the UP in part of northern Wisconsin um, its own state. Um, really kind of the, the real biggest push for this happening, um, was kind of in, in the sixties, I believe, and into the seventies. Um, and that was led by, um, largely by, um, Dominic Jacobetti, uh, I mean, mm-hmm. you've heard the name Jacob Eddy mm-hmm. for the, the VA center up in Marquette. Yep. Um, so, you know, Dominic Jacob Eddy was somebody that was instrumental in giving the UP a voice down in Lansing, okay, in, in politics. And the interesting thing is, is that he was really pushing for the UP to secede and become its own state as a direct response to kind of the environmentalism that was starting in the late 60s and in the 70s. -hmm. Um, There was, you know, a really big movement across the U.S. to start to do things to preserve natural resources. Well, at that time, the UP was... Still, even in the 60s and 70s, there was still a lot of mining going on. Um, you know, obviously, the the timber industry is still going on in the UP to this day. But, but there was just basically a direct response to him being worried that these new things that were coming about as far as preserving natural resources was going to really hurt the economy of the UP. Hmm. Um, And so the idea that he and a lot of other people had, I shouldn't say he was the only person. He was just really kind of the voice for everybody because he was, you know, a a representative down in in Lansing for, I think, the 108th and 109th district. Um, And he had a lot of pull. So when he talked, people listened. And... You know, so this idea was, hey, if we break off from Michigan, um, number one, we can kind of make our own rules as far as, you know, our natural resources. And number two, we should be able to then keep jobs here in the UP. Um, you know, it, it never really got anywhere, but it seems like every so often it, it continues to become a topic of conversation. Um, you know, the interesting thing is prior to the 1950s, the couple of times that I mentioned that it came up, the big, the big reason for the disconnect between the Upper Peninsula and the Lower Peninsula, a lot of it was the, the Mackinac Bridge wasn't there. That makes sense. You know, you had, to, you had to take a ferry across. Um, and, and that's just a small part of it. I, I shouldn't say it's a, it's a big thing. But it was one of the things. So, um, you know, and back to, to Jacob Eddy, you know, 
besides just being a big voice for the Upper Peninsula, he was instrumental in making sure that the UP got a lot of funding that we might not otherwise get to kind of like help us out. Um, you know, he was directly responsible for the Superior Dome getting built. And he was instrumental in a lot of other things too as far as uh, roads and and construction and just that type of thing. He he played a really big role in making sure that the, the voice of the UP was heard to, to get the funding that we need to really stay afloat. Now, on the flip side of that coin, that almost kind of goes back to, you know, Austin's question of should the UP become its own state? That's the difficult part is how would the UP even keep itself afloat? Mm-hmm. I, in my personal opinion, I don't think there's enough of an economy in the UP to, to make that happen. Um I know in the 60s when this was really getting floated around, part of it is um, they were pushing to make gambling legal, kind of like Las Vegas, so not just the the casinos that we have on reservations. That was one of the ideas that was floated, was just making like gambling legal all across the UP so they could just kind of put casinos everywhere and it would really draw in tourists. Um, but again, obviously none of that panned out. I just... I really just don't think there's enough of an economy in in the UP to kind of sustain ourselves. Um, but again, like I said, that's a really good question. Um, it's definitely something UPers have talked about multiple times over the course of history. In this last year. Even just, yeah, in this last year, every now and then it, it crops back up again and, and people kind of want to break out. Um the interesting thing is, is if the UP would be, I believe, 40, like in the 40, 40s, 41 or 42 in land mass, as far as like the size of the UP compared to other states, mm-hmm. um, like we would be bigger than the state of Vermont, for example, um, or no, not Vermont, Maryland, we would be bigger than Maryland. Um, we would be... We would be the smallest in population, though. That would be the other thing. Because there's roughly 300,000 people in the UP, give or take, maybe a little bit more. Um, but that's only like 60% of the population of Wyoming, which I think is pretty low on the population mm-hmm. scale. And it's only 50% of Alaska, which I, I think Alaska is pretty low on the population scale, too. So it's super complex. Like I said, I could almost go an entire episode just talking about it but it's really interesting if you think about like try to picture what the up would really be like if it was its own state Mm -hmm. um so good question austin sorry i kind of got off on a tangent rambling a little (laughs) bit there but um but yeah are there uh, any other questions for me or was that the last one that was the last one okay well then we'll wrap this episode up the way that I wrap up every episode and I will ask you this question and that's how do you like your pasty? I like my pasty with lots of gravy on it. Ooh. I don't like ketchup at all in general, so I would have to choose gravy then. Gravy or nothing. Yeah, I just pretended to act surprised because I already knew how you were going to (laughs) answer. Obviously, I know how you like your pasty, but people listening in, I'm sure they want to know how you like it. So, okay, so you're a gravy person, so... All right. Well, Patty, thank you so much for being my uh, 
my guest co-host. Is there anything else that you want to add or anything like that? No, I don't think so. Thank you for having me. Yeah, you're you're very welcome. Like I said, I really appreciate you coming on. And that's going to wrap things up for this week's episode. Another huge thank you to my lovely wife for being a good sport and helping me out with the episode. And also a huge thank you to everybody that sent in questions. Uh, The questions were really awesome, and really it was those questions that made this episode possible. Uh, So with that, that's pretty much a wrap on 2020. And I think we all can collectively say that this past year has pretty much been a dumpster fire. But um, as Patty and I talked about in the episode, youpers are are resilient and we persevere and uh, we're tough. And, you know, between that toughness and the, you know, the vaccine for the coronavirus and a lot of other positive things, I I really feel strongly that uh, better days are on the horizon in 2021. So I hope you all have your your resolutions uh, ready to go. Uh, for the new year. Uh, Me personally, I kind of treat my resolutions like birthday wishes. I usually don't like to uh, say them out loud or talk about them because I feel like if I do, then they won't come true. Uh, But like I said, I hope you have those ready to go. And I I really, each and every one of you listening, I truly hope that you have a happy and a healthy new year. So otherwise, uh, my per usual housekeeping Uh, please, please subscribe, rate, and leave me a review wherever it is that you listen to the podcast. Uh, I also want to hear your takeaways, comments, questions, concerns, thoughts. Maybe you have a recommendation on somebody I should interview. Um, You can, you know, drop me a line and email me at chattetuppod at gmail.com. Otherwise, find me on social media, uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. Just type in the Chatted Up Podcast and you should be able to find me. Other than that, I am your host, Shooter, reminding you to have a happy new year, keep your chin up, and your eyes forward.